This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the 4,000 plus members that we have. And the reason that we're doing this, and this is our 14th year, by the way, is we want our clients out there, our consumers, to really know what's going on in the business. When we started in 2009, um, the news reports were pretty grim. And things were grim out there, but there was always hope, and hope sprung bountiful from Welcome Home Radio. Uh, we reminded everybody what your home is really all about. It wasn't about the dollar amount. It was about your, your a place to live for you and your family. Anyway, the beauty of this show is we have, out of 4,000 members, a lot of different characters. Got a couple of characters here today. <laughs> uh Jason Higton, good morning. Good morning, Don. Thanks for having us. All right. And you're with Realty Concepts and also um, a property management company. What's the name of that one? Indeed. We're actually, we're just transitioning names uh, to be announced here shortly. Uh, but we, we were formerly Realty Concepts Property Management, and, and it'll be transitioning here uh, probably in the next two weeks. Any breaking news here on Welcome Home Radio? Uh, uh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. And that other not yet came from Ryan Higton, also of Realty Concepts, and the yet-to-be-disclosed new name of the property manager. <laughs> yep. Good company. morning. Before I say anything, I want to make sure. Last time Jason and I were on a radio show about uh, a couple weeks ago, I was walking out the door. My 12-year-old daughter said, I have one piece of advice for you when you go on the show. And I said, I was thinking, well, this is going to be amazing. What is she going to say? She says, make sure you mention my name. You're going to get good ratings. So, and I didn't do it. So I got to say, hi, Haley, even though I know she's not uh, listening because she's actually running track practice right now. But uh, anyways, I have to say her name, Haley Higton, my daughter. Uh, there you go. Thank so, you for doing it. And how old is she? She's 12. 12. Yeah. All right. And um, uh, let her know that she can listen to a podcast of this. Yes. Oh, nice. And, and, she, and she will, and she'll make fun of me there. So Right. Uh, so today... But I have her name in there, so we're good. We're, we're good to go now. All right. And just to acknowledge her, hello, Haley. There you go. <laughs> All right. And um, you can listen to the podcast after our show at kynofresno.com um, or on come Monday, once staff gets in there, you can go to the Fresno Association of Realtors website and listen to months and months worth of uh older shows nice. hey just think next week you guys will be an older show yeah that'll be nice i already feel old yeah so that, that's true that fits perfectly so you guys sell real estate too i'm going to run some stats by you and i would like to know your commentary on it um for the cities of clovis and fresno as of this morning there are 358 active listings is that enough? <laughs> Not even close. Not according to the buyers who we have right now that can't find anything. So <laughs> buyers are saying absolutely not. So how how do you help a buyer in a market like this? Boy, it's a great question. I mean, at the end of the day, we've never sold anything to any sort of buyer or any sort of client. You you join with them, you help them. So you you do stick to their parameters, but at some point 
they're probably going to end up sacrificing more than they thought they would in regards to their wants on a house, not necessarily their needs, but their wants or, the, or desires. So uh, it's it's a little harder to fit that that uh, that round peg in a square hole. Does that make any sense? I know it didn't make sense to me. It's the same thing with a buyer, right? So at some point they're going to give something up, um, but they, they'll end up finding something. Yeah, and I think too, just a basic thing would be getting them connected with a good local you know, lender would be a good start to make sure that you have a good offer when you do put that offer in on the not very many homes that are out there. Yeah, we do so see quite a in. few offers written by lenders outside of the area or big national type institutions. And I would much rather work with a person I can call or text directly. So, Yeah, or if you run into them at the grocery store, <laughs> they're not going to hide from you. Exactly, exactly. Um, so is it possible, this is, an, this is a weird question now, but is it possible to quantify a dollar amount that that local lender is worth? Let's say, you know, you know if you have two offers, both at 400000 one's a lo- reputable local lender, the other is from Timbuktu, never heard of them. Obviously, you're going to go with the local lender. But let's say that one with the out-of-town lender from Timbuktu, who may be a really, really good lender, but who knows? If it's four hundred and five thousand dollars, five thousand more, is do you still go with the local lender? What if it's ten thousand more? Well, ultimately, if we were on the listing side with our sellers, I mean, we would we would educate them with that, right? We're going to present those offers to our seller and say, hey, here's the scenario with the local lender versus the national lender who we don't know. Ultimately, it's going to be their decision, but we're going to educate them to say, hey, you know, we at least know who this lender is. We've worked with them before. They've done a great job. They've closed on time. They've done what they said they were going to do. Um, and then ultimately, you know, the seller is going to make their choice. But, uh, you know, we, my recommendation would be to take that local lender, even if it's a little bit lower offer. Uh, we know the deal is going to get done. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's better than not getting a deal done and having to go back into escrow with another buyer on the next go around. Now, from so the buying side, difference. he took the listing approach. From the buying Correct. side, quantifiably, it could be a $400,000 amount, right? Because right. if you have a bad lender, you're not getting that house. Right. So our, arguably, it's actually more important on the buying side than it is on the, on the listing side because that buyer needs somebody that represents them and does it well. Mm-hmm. Jason, I want you to check with your English teacher and yeah. see is quantifiably actually a word. Quantifiable, I said. Okay. It's been, I'm Googling it now. No, yeah, it's not a word. I ran into my English teacher in high school, um, or, or just a few months ago. He he asked me, "Who in the world taught you English?" Yeah, he, I he, said, "Well, you did." He goes, well, "That's not what I hear on Saturday mornings." You speak so much gooder than yeah. he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason and I, we've been playing the game Wordle a lot, and that word definitely was not in that game. So uh, we've been learning our words from Wordle. Yeah. All right. Um, Probably the one who coaches you on your English is your daughter, Haley. Well, my youngest one, actually, the 10-year-old, she is top-notch with English Hope, yes. You've met Hope before, and she's, yeah, yeah, she'll correct you real quickly. (laughs) (laughs) She already has me. Yeah. (laughs) All right, some other stats that I want your commentary on. For the month of February, the median sold price for the cities of Fresno and Clovis is 400,000. I think it's the first time we've gotten to the four. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I haven't been in the business as long as you, Don. Nobody has. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ouch. But I can remember when I first came in, the the medium home sale was like two fifty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that was the number. And oh, I was so you're fairly new. <laughs> uh, not all the gray hair that I have. Now and you've been doing that. it for eight years. Yeah, eight years. And and so it's gone up. And, and it's consistently in, gone up. You know. So it's gone up one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in eight years. Yep. That's incredible. Big difference. So, so f- let me tell you, um, since you guys haven't been in it as long as I have, <laughs> I've been through three different uh, recessions that where you actually had to tell somebody that the home is worth less than what you paid for it. Now, the first two recessions, it wasn't that bad. In fact, the one in the early 90s, I didn't even know it was a recession until you looked backwards and said, hmm, mm-hmm. I th- think we just went through a rough spot. It, it was that subtle. Of course, 2008, 9, 10, that was different. Um, and that's where we had to remind people, why did you buy the home? Well, you bought it to live in it. I remember uh, one set of people, that they had me out there to list their home and sell it as a short sale. And their thought was that it would. This was ne- the mid two thousands time. Or it the, would have been like, two thousand nine or okay, ten. Okay. Um, they bought the home for three hundred thousand, uh, put a pretty good chunk down, and <clears throat> but they still owed two fifty, and now the house is worth two hundred, mm-hmm. and that was tough to tell them that. Um, but I noticed they had a real pride in their home because before I or before we sat down to talk, they took me around the house and showed me all the things they did, and you could see that real that pride of home ownership. So when they said they wanted to sell it because it'll never be worth two fifty again, it's like, well, I, I showed them how they could get out of it, reminded them why they bought it, and it, it was for their home, their their family. They decided to do that, and today that five hundred thousand dollar home mm-hmm. is theirs and entirely paid off. Yeah, nice. it's beautiful, and they are. I, that's one of the best listings I've never taken. <laughs> yeah, incredible. That's awesome. To, to that end, uh, I am a huge believer in real estate as uh, an asset and part of your portfolio. Obviously, I'm in it. I own it. Uh, but every buyer I've ever helped. Or every selling, uh, every house I've ever sold, I've always thought, oh my goodness, that's at the height of the market. I've never sold anything below market value. I've never bought anything below market value. With that said, it's just beautiful to see how how prices uh, do in- increase. And, and, and in regards to building wealth and building portfolio, real estate is an amazing way to go. Well, let me ask this question. At 400000 though, is have we reached a point where it's not affordable anymore? A lot of people will say that. Actually, a lot of people have been saying that for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, if it's not affordable, then those homes wouldn't sell, right? I mean, the market still shows that it is affordable. People are still buying those homes. They're not sitting on the market. If they're sitting on the market, then yeah, we've we've outpaced where people can actually buy those homes. We still have multiple buyers, especially at the $400,000 price range. You're gonna get multiple offers you know, with local people. It's not like an investor coming in from the Bay Area that's gonna buy this house as a rental or something like that. I mean, we're talking about a local homeowner who's gonna purchase that property to that's live right. in it. 
Well, and they have been sitting on the market here. We've got an average day on the market, days on the market of seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, probably had seven offers, too, right. in oh, that yeah. time. Um, so I think uh, going to the affordability point, um, when there are multiple offers, they're all going to have pre-approval letters or, or proof of funds or for, for cash. Funds. So I, I guess it really is affordable. Yeah, and you have to work backwards. And so if you look back at, at who's financing these or how they're paying for these, right, you can get into a house in so many different ways, so many different types of, of uh, mortgage products that almost everybody has a chance to buy something like that if they are both working, right, or mm -hmm. if they're working alone. There's just so many different options that everybody's going to have a chance, especially at that price point. Excellent. It is time for our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940. KYNO. Well, welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have in the studio with us today Ryan Higton and also Jason Higton. Yes, sir. And uh, that music was played for you guys because uh, you guys are sports fans and. Um, yeah, Which go Giants. Go was... Giants. Sorry, oh, I just had to throw God. it in there, Don. Sorry. Can we mute his uh, <laughs> microphone? <laughs> I wanted to get slipped that in right before you can mute me. There you go. Hey, I understand you guys are going to spring training. Yeah, we're not going next week, but we're going the week after. Taking, uh, taking Dad, and we've never been. He's been multiple times, and we were pretty bummed that this season was getting pushed out. But we just found out yesterday that we're we're back. We're rocking and rolling. So, and we're gonna take play a few rounds of golf. So I mean, it's gonna yeah. be all sports all the time. It's yep. gonna be great. So thankfully, you guys have the internet and and working radios and things like that. So you'll get the news. Uh, first time I went to spring training, I went with a couple of guys from the office, and um, so uh, we went to this place. Uh, he he wanted to see the Padres, so. We drive all the way out there, come to find out the Padres had moved their spring training facility two years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had to drive a whole extra day up, up towards the Phoenix area. Was it 1987, Don? No. Was, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even have newspapers back then, huh? I mean, nothing, no information out there. Well, that's it was my fault for depending on somebody like these two yahoos yeah, I went that's with right. too. Uh, that's right. You need a captain. And you're the captain. Yeah. So. All right. So anyway, um, let's talk about the rental market because you guys uh, is do you do primarily single family residences or apartments? Yeah, single family is mainly what we manage and what we own um, currently. And just to jump into it real quickly, I would say that the rental market mirrors the retail market of what's going on where there's limited inventory, you know, rents are going up when a, when a property does go back on for rent, um, hard to find. You have, you have people that are, you know, Jason and I were at a, a listing last night for a, a, or a photo shoot for a listing last night. And we had the photographer out there doing some drones and some different shots of the house that's going to be listed tomorrow. And we had somebody drive by and it's like, Hey, is this house, uh, for rent? Is, are you guys going to rent this out? Because I, yeah, I have somebody that's been renting for 18 years and their their owner's going to sell and they need to find a place. And yeah, interesting. we're like, oh, sorry, we're going to be selling this. But uh, I mean, so that the rental market definitely mirrors what's going on in the retail market as well. And it's funny you say that, that it 
it mirrors it because for about 20 years it did not hmm. um if you go let's let's go back to the year 2000 mm-hmm. um on the sales side of real estate it was a wild roller coaster ride you know prices really went up in 2005 and 6 they really went down in 8 and 9 they came back up and and now they're really up there but until two from like 2000 to 2020 the rental market was very uh, flat not not flat's not the right word it sounds bad because it was healthy mm-hmm. uh, but prices did not really go up if right. something rented for a thousand dollars a month maybe 20 years later it was renting for 1150 or mm-hmm. 1200 so it wasn't that dramatic now it seems much more dramatic yeah, yeah. I, I would say that you have buyers who are now becoming you know discouraged with not getting into a house they can't find anything now they're now turning into finding a rental yeah, interesting you know they need to find somewhere to live maybe they're coming from out of town to live here you know so i mean that's definitely made an increase too or even there's limited inventory to buy now they're going to turn into trying to rent even we have multiple clients who uh sold their house in 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 uh with it with the desire to, to upgrade right growing family or whatever they are and um, and now they're renters and they're local and mm-hmm. they're renting because of the inability to find something that they, that they want or need. So, mm-hmm. so uh, one thing I've really noticed, and, and I'm looking at the available, as of this morning, the available rentals mm-hmm. in our multiple listing services. Yeah, sure. Um, and the, at, let's see, the average price is $2,400 a month. Yeah. You go back even 10 years ago, there was really nothing for rent more than fifteen to 1700 a month. But, but the amazing thing is that it, there were no, I say none, but there were very few high-end rentals. Mm-hmm. So it, here's a rental here for um, $2,800 a month, and it's um, 3,100 square feet, fairly new house. Um, you just didn't see those before. Right. Why is the high end now renting? I, I think I, I'd, I'd like to just, I mean, I'd like to go back to the reason why people are looking for these types of things, right? Yeah. And, and, and people, we get calls all the time. Can you help us find a rental? So not only is there a low set of inventory with the high end stuff, but also on the low end stuff, and people don't know how to get into a rental. Most people want single family. I mean, yeah, you can go to an apartment, you can pay two, 3,000 a month mm-hmm. and it's, you got all the amenities. But if you want something for a family in a certain school district, the difficulty of finding something is incredibly hard. So we encourage, and, and we can only help people on the rental side with what we have in our portfolio to offer, which at this point is, is nil. We have nothing available. Um, with that said, if you're listening here today and you're a, and you're a renter wanting to find something, Use every avenue, except, mind you, do not use Craigslist. Uh, a lot of people are getting burned on that sort of thing. But uh, Zillow, property managers, people you know, referrals, use every avenue to find something. And then going back, kind of leading in back into that question of why is there so many high-end you know, options now? Um, I think that has to do with, um, more than anything, 1031 exchanges. Hmm. Um, people are moving out of this into something else. A 1031 exchange is something that you can, uh, a tax deferment uh, product 
um, and they're selling something and they have to use all that money in a neck in their next investment to defer. And I think they're increasing and they're, and they're sticking with single family. You have, you have commercial investors, you have single family investors, but when you're one of those, you don't often go or delve into the other side. And I think people are upgrading and they're, they're keeping it as an investment. And I'd also like to add to that is that high-end home that's being rented, maybe that person bought it at $300,000 or $350,000 that's now worth Very good point. five fifty dollars or $600,000 yeah. that's a high-end. Yeah. And that's not what their mortgage shows and when what they can actually rent it for and, and maybe make some cash flow and provide some housing for people on the rental side. That's so, interesting there. Um, I think some of those higher ends were bought lower. Yeah. The owner can hold on to it. They don't necessarily need to get rid of it. and they're Which just goes directly against my uh, philosophy or synopsis, but... I agree with that too. Oh. Wow. <laughs> They're Amazing. both accurate. <laughs> your philosophy is not to agree with your brother. Well, that is that. Yeah. We don't like to agree very often. So Even when we disagree, we agree. <laughs> I'm the older one. He is. Yeah. Okay. For those who can't see, uh, because we're on the radio, <laughs> yeah. that was Jason. He's the older one. Yeah. He's I'm two 40. And a half years older. Uh, huh? You're two and a half years older. Yeah. I'm 40. Uh, yeah. Which one is the smarter one? Well, Ryan says I'm the I'm the looks of the of the of the group, and he's the brains. I'm definitely the brains. Of the so operation. he's the he's the the strategy guy, and I'm the out front guy. I don't know. We'll mm -hmm. see. Okay, for our listeners, I have to say they're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I want to compliment you in that I have worked with you guys for several well what six seven eight yeah. years. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you two seem to always get along. I mean, yeah, you're not will. typical brothers. No. no, he was he was always the nice older brother who included me. So usually it's the older brother. It's like, ah, oh, younger brother, get away. Don't do this. He always included me. He always said, hey, let's go play. You can play with my friends. You can do this. And but, so but interestingly it started with enough, him, and then I reciprocated with the niceness as well. So, But interestingly enough, he was uh, – Ryan was an educator. I was in orthopedic sales. He started flipping a few homes, and then he said he's going to get his real estate license. And so he did, and he went to Realty Concepts, and after about a year, he's like, hey, you should come join me. And I'm like, that's 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 an awful idea. I'm gonna, <laughs> and, and here we are about seven years later, and yeah. we, we never argued about business. We split everything. Mm -hmm. we, we do everything together. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I don't know, yeah. but, it, but it seems to work. Yeah, wonderful. That's right. So why uh, or... How can a, uh, a homeowner who's a housing provider, mm -hmm. so they're renting the property out, they decide, I want to sell it, but there's uh, tenants in there. How can they go about selling that house? Boy, don't, that, that, don't do it. Yeah, that is a very difficult. That's a deep question. Yeah. So do we have enough time uh, for the next, <laughs> this is a, that's the next a deep break? Question. Do you want to get into that? Sure. Uh, what? <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, is it better to uh, terminate the contract and have the home vacant and then sell it? Undoubtedly, but I wouldn't. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for any housing provider to terminate any sort of contract. So usually, I would highly recommend any housing provider that wants to sell an investment property to do so. Um, you know, when a tenant vacates, um, the last thing you want to do is is you know ask somebody to leave. With that said. Um, I, I personally will not sell an SFR in with SFR a, with, I will not sell, I will not sell a single family residence mm -hmm. with a tenant in it. Um, it's just not my uh, cup of tea. It's, it's very difficult on all parties, not just the, the realtor, 
but also the tenant as well as as the the seller so i won't do it and it's easy to say oh you can just buy out the tenant and give them some money and they'll leave it's like where are they going to go right we're just talking about the rental shortage it's like yeah great you're going to give them a couple thousand dollars to leave and break the lease early but where are they going to go so most of the time it doesn't even work out so you got to be very careful and, and there are times end. when housing providers are in dire need and, yes. and have to do that and i would encourage them to give a proper notice to the tenant and then do it certainly vacant undoubtedly right and it depends on what type of lease they're in are they on a month to month are they on a fixed term lease where it ends at a certain date all those things to consider yep. when uh, wanting to sell that property. So in that case, you, you're not just selling a home and a property. You're also selling a contract with a tenant. No doubt. If, if somebody's there, yes. And, and, and therefore it gets a little more complicated. Yeah, and in, any, any new housing provider that comes on as the buyer is going to end up assuming that lease, whatever it is, when they're, then that tenant's uh, in there. I did sell one a few months ago, and, and here's one of the, the hard parts to it. The old owner was very lenient and the tenant paid a couple of hundred dollars this week four hundred dollars the next week and and pretty much stayed up but it was and of course the new owner is like hey no all the rents due on the first sure which is correct yep but um so yeah there's that problem that comes up too yeah interesting topic though we could go on and on about that we've we've dealt a lot with it all right Well, let's not get into it right now because it's time for our next commercial break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about a new type of rental opportunity called short-term rentals. Mm. So stay tuned. I'm proud of the house we built. It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And today we're talking with Jason Higton and Ryan Higton, both of Realty Concepts and also Realty Concepts Property Management. Indeed. And um, you guys do an interesting business model where you also handle short-term rentals. Now, um, I was joking during the the break about uh, everybody refers to it as Airbnb, sure. but it, that's kind of like Scotch tape or Kleenex. Mm-hmm. That's just the brand name. Or Xerox copies. Yeah. There yeah. There's a lot of different platforms for short-term rentals, which didn't used to be there. That's why we, we are going to be talking about short-term rentals today a little bit because it's given access for local owners here to do short-term that maybe not wouldn't be able to do that. Um, I remember this was probably about four or five years ago. I hadn't even thought about short-term rental until Jason and I were listing a house by Fresno and Bullard, 93710 area. Nice house, pool in the backyard. Right by the right by Fresno State. Yeah, right by Fresno State. And we listed it, and we had gotten well, – You should ahead, me- go ahead you and sh- cut me off. Go ahead. You should mention oh. it was very unique home. It was a unique home, yeah. nice very pool cool in the back. Um, and we had gotten multiple offers, and I had gotten a phone call from a person from, I, I didn't even answer it because it came from Monterey. I was like, oh, this is probably a scam or something like that. They left a message and it was a it was an investor from Monterey that said that he wanted to use me as the buyer's agent as well as the, as the listing agent. Um, he was going to be all cash. He was going to buy it as a short-term rental. I'm like, why what would you do world? that? Yeah. Like that makes no what sense. What a headache, to me. right? Yeah. Having to redo this he's all like, the time. He's like, yeah, this night. is going to be a great market for short term. And specifically, he was talking about Airbnb. And I'm just like, who would want to come here and use an Airbnb or short term rental? Like, 
this is not a vacation destination. And he's like, no, you just watch. This is gonna this is gonna work. And so uh, we put the deal together. We closed the deal with him, and he turned it into a short term. Uh, rental. Have you kept up with that at all? Have you seen, have you looked at it? Yeah, I've done a few things with them. Yeah, and no, not with him, but with oh. that with that property with the short term part of it. Yeah, they were renting that thing pretty nicely. I mean, it was huh. a nightly rate of over two hundred dollars wow. a night, and had what would it have reviews. rented for just on a regular rental basis? Well, at that time, yeah, seventeen eighteen hundred, okay, a month because it had a pool and it was. Yeah, I it, mean, maybe it maybe two thousand at the top on that yeah. one. Um, but if you think about two hundred dollars a more nightly rate, whew, way higher than that. Okay, so two hundred dollars per night, but w- wouldn't the vacancy rate be higher? So that to break even, let, let's say on a regular rental basis, it was pulling in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's two hundred dollars a night. That's ten nights of the month. Is that what it rented out for? I mean, were there a lot of nightly vacancies no i didn't manage that one or get into the specifics on that one but i can get into the specifics of what we have now and we're, okay. run, we're running 80 to 90 percent uh occupancy rate there's the answer i was looking <laughs> for <you> <laughs> okay. i was hoping this didn't get into a math question because you know, I'd, <laughs> I'd be out of my league <laughs> yeah let's change topics i don't want to get too far into the the math on that all but right that's so, what we're running um on this short-term nightly rental basis you're getting 80 to 90 percent occupancy yep wow yep that's that's in the last i just checked on the airbnb app and the man the the properties that we manage were in the last year right around the 80 percent occupancy rate and so of those let's say 24 nights that it was rented out Mm -hmm. how many different tenants would that typically have that's a great question we have we had a high turnover rate in one of the properties that we own personally uh, last month. So there were eight turnovers in those 24 days. So you can do the math, right? You actually, you said you're not a mathematician, but that's, that's an average. Well, I of, can't do the math. <laughs> do it for that's me. an average three-night stay, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty atypical in Fresno. We see a lot of people coming and using this type of platform and this type of rental for, for work, for some play, some... Uh, visiting family, some, you know, visiting somebody in the hospital. There's visiting all kinds somebody. of, there's they'll, all they'll kinds of reasons. Stay here and go up into the hills. We are not a vacation destination, but Airbnb, VRBO, short-term rental in general has become such a, a household name. People use it like a hotel and we don't have great hotel options in Fresno. So the 330 to 350 single family residences that we have listed on Airbnb, not us, in in total, um, really, if, when you think about it, that's not that many. No, that's like really a, another hotel or two. If Correct. You think about all of the short-term rentals yeah. that are on these platforms. So what drives a short-term renter to get a single-family residence rather than just going to a hotel? Where, um, it, it, what, Why are they choosing this avenue at $200 a night when they could probably get a hotel for a nice one for $150 a night. Talk yeah. about your, Todd Ryan, talk about your Hyatt Place Yeah, there's uh, a example. Multiple, no, multiple answers to your question, and that's a great question. Uh, but I was just looking the other day at the Hyatt Place, the new place right by our office. Right, by, right on, across the street from Kaiser. That's Fresno and Alluvial. Yep, nice place. Nice place. I was looking just last week, midweek, how much does it cost for like midweek stay? $275. 
Wow. And I'm sure that ranges depending sure. on what's going on. It could probably drop down to 200. But I'm just thinking like weekday, 200,000. Now we have another house, single family home, three bed, two bath, 1,200 square feet. You get the whole house that's like, I don't know, three or four minutes from Hyatt Place for $125 a night. <laughs> that's a big difference. I mean, we're talking a whole house, very nice, fully furnished. Yard, garage, full deal. In a, in a nice neighborhood. For one hundred and twenty five dollars a night. Okay. Or Hyatt Place at a two seventy five. Okay, Big so difference. some of it is price driven. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you can get better value with a single family residence than a hotel, is what you're saying. Plus you get the whole place. You get the backyard, you get the garage, which you wouldn't get with Well a you hotel. and you can come one person or in a three bed, two bath, you can come six to eight people. So Correct. I mean the the price is extremely um yeah, it's it's a lot lower. If That's you go a short. really good point. Yeah. So yeah, if you have, let's say you're going to Kaiser for to visit a family member that's sure. in the hospital, and you're bringing four, six, eight people. Yep. Yeah, you're going to be getting multiple hotel rooms, but you can do it all in one home. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's it's an incredible option that we have not had previously. Uh, now we do not manage any bedroom or like cottage style. Um, units, which they do offer on Airbnb and VRBO and these other platforms as well. Explain that bedroom cottage. Style. I mean, some people are just renting out bedrooms in their room, in um, their house, in your house. Like you're you're living your house there. and you have an open bedroom here. You can stay here for $40 a night. Yeah. Incredible. Come, come that, and that's stay not in my house. That's not our style. We don't, we don't yeah. do that. We just do vacant single family homes. Um, but people do offer that. Yeah. It, I mean, short term rentals um, are an incredibly hot topic. Mm. Everybody's thought about it, um, and then it's just a matter of what's the what are the barriers to entry? How do I how do we do this? Why should we do this? Is it a good return on your investment? All those things need to be considered, and there's a lot of uh, lot to talk through on, on on those things. Yeah, it's not for everybody. It's not for every housing provider out there, but it is an option that is I think going to increase in time, and it's going to be more talked about. There's a lot of hype on it right now, and uh, yeah, it's very interesting. So the the home you had where you had seven different, uh, yep, eight, eight different yep. turnovers in one month, the management of that must be tremendous, though. It is. And so that's where, where we come in. Um, we have a, a team of two or three people um, who do an incredible job of managing that. It's, it's I mean, the, the efficiency in which you have to operate at times, it's a four-hour turnover from a 12 o'clock uh, checkout to a four o'clock check-in. Um, you have to do things quickly. Uh, especially in a 24 night, you know, eight turnover type of month. Um, that's a, that's, there's a lot to do there. With that said, our, the processes and the template that we have in place allows us to do it well. And you got to have good people. And um, we So you have, have a that. system for it. Yeah, we do. And, and thankfully, the people that work with us and for us um, have put that in, in place. We didn't do that. They did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're thankful for them. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm asking this question for somebody I know, my wife. <laughs> so checkouts at 12 o'clock. Yep. How often do you get that call? Can we check out at one? Uh, that, yeah, well, that, yeah, let me rephrase. Checkouts normally at 10 or 11. 10, okay. Uh, but yes, we do have like, hey, we need to check out. We usually charge 25 to $50 for an extra hour. Um, for that checkout. And really, it depends on whether there's somebody coming in that day. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah if, if nobody else is coming in today, we'll be a little, give them a little leeway. But if we got somebody coming at four, 
boy, we got to get that. We got to get rock and roll. The interesting thing is we we're seeing a lot of same or next day um, uh, reservations, mm-hmm. which is 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 great because you're thinking, oh, I don't have anybody, and before you know it, you have somebody. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible the amount of people that are making like flexible, quick decisions as they travel. Well, almost like a hotel. <laughs> yep. And you have to be just like a hotel because your reviews are going to come out after their stay. And these people are are hard. At times they're critical. So you have to be really good. And those reviews mean everything because you're going to go stay where there's a 4.95 rating. But if, if you're like at a 4.3, it's like good luck. So it's anything less than five stars, at least on the Airbnb platform that we typically use is failing like five star is the standard anything below that's failing and so we make sure that you know we want that five stars uh review yeah we want that five stars all right we want it we want so i just stars. gotta get it i just checked my phone yep. uh the ratings on you guys on today's show <laughs> on a scale of one to ten you came in at a 11. so we're oh, trending wow. good we're, full trend not even a decimal that was good rookie score <laughs> usually you put oh, a decimal sorry, in there but it. that's uh, point 11. Okay, <laughs> there you go. There's your decimal. Now you're using the decimal correctly. All right. With that, we're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you. Well, welcome back. Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have Mr. Ryan Higton here in the studio with us, along with old brother older brother <laughs> older statesman <laughs> yeah and that would be jason higton of realty concepts also we've been talking about short-term rentals uh also known as vrbo uh airbnb and um money makers yeah so mm-hmm. uh what are in, in the previous segment we talked about a lot of the benefits to the renter uh, sure. of having the the whole house the yard, the garage, uh, for a two or three day stay rather than a hotel room that maybe is limited on size and amenities. Um, let's talk about the benefits to the owner now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it sounds like a lot of work, uh, in, even if you hire out a property manager that you're paying the property manager for all that work, the, the seven or eight turnovers per month somebody's got to get in there and clean each mm-hmm. time yeah i don't think again i want to reiterate that that short-term rental is not for every you know owner to do nor do does our market need that um but if you're talking like you want as an owner owner home provider if you're looking for cash flow you really need to consider doing short-term rental um as part of your portfolio or what you have um you know, we can get into some specifics about something that just came on the market that, that was a short term versus a long term multifamily complex if we want to get into that. But nonetheless, I think the main thing is you need to look into it. If you're looking for cash flow as that owner, you know, you need to look into that short term rental as a housing provider opportunity as a housing provider. Take this is how I kind of we've we've been running through the numbers a lot lately. Um, you know, we've had a couple slower months on the short term rental side than we've had in the past. 24 months. Uh, we've had some incredible months over the last 24 months in a couple that we own um, and on a couple that we manage. With that said, I want to take the the base. The basis point would be 
how much would you rent this out for to a normal long-term tenant, right? Let's say it's 1500 bucks. And then you look at the possibilities of what, it, what you might make on the short-term rental side, uh, you know, ranging anywhere, anywhere from $100 to $250 a night, depending on the quality of, of your property. Uh, with that said, I think you only need to be in the ballpark of like 60% occupancy to kind of break even with that long-term sort of $1,500 price. Now that includes management, that includes restocking fees, that includes all the miscellaneous and intangibles that go into managing a, a short-term rental, which you can do by yourself, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'd save uh, a, a healthy chunk. With that said, the the opportunity for, for more, it might be a little risky, but not that risky. Um, and, and the opportunity you have to make substantially more than the long term is really is really incredible is there an area of town of fresno and clovis that um is is better for short-term rentals as an owner yeah i mean you're looking for like unique properties obviously that's something that's distinctive about the property that makes people when they look at those platforms airbnb vrbo like man that looks like a cool place to stay mm -hmm. whether it's you know how you outfit it with the furniture or just the design of the house um so older neighborhoods are nice but really it, it comes down to location like you know in the going to old town clovis but really staying close to the freeways so people can get in and out where they need to go um seems to be a very good uh spot to be so you know transportation wise Okay, and I, I would imagine close to hospitals would probably be a big draw, yep. Yep. wouldn't they? Yeah. One that, you know, we have a couple that aren't in, I mean, the best neighborhoods mm -hmm. in, in Fresno, um, but they're very centrally located and close to, to the freeways, and they do quite well, I think, based solely on that, and good pictures. I mean, you got to have good pictures, um, but then the pictures got to match. Yeah. what the house looks like when you walk in. And so hopefully we've done that and we've done it pretty well. And the thing about good pictures, you're talking about not the ones on the wall, but the ones that are <laughs> actually that are, both. You got to have good art. That's people, true. People want Again, to come into that experience. Uh, yeah. You, you want to have some sort of like um, original type experience. Hmm. All right. Interesting. So I, I have taken buyers through a home where, I mean, just get your socks knocked off with the pictures that are on the internet. And then I remember this one lady, she turned to me after we were in the house. She goes, are we in the right house? <laughs> it did not match. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so um, what, what's a cost factor for turning a home? So somebody moves out 12 o'clock today, you got till four o'clock, so you gotta have people ready to, ready to roll. Mm -hmm. what, what's that cost factor? The cost factor is probably less on the turnover and more on the the budget on how to get your house as an investor, as a home provider, how to get your house ready to be a short-term rental. Mm. So I would I would suggest that there are there's there's furniture, there's amenities, of, you know, uh, just the little ins and outs, uh, bedding, sheets, you name it. You're now providing this to to the to the client who comes, and then ongoing supplies, you know. The so awesome toilet paper and the, yeah. everything that is disposable that you need to continue supplying. And so I would say you're looking at probably twenty to forty thousand dollars of increased budget, not just on real estate acquisition, right? If this, let's say you're a first time 
uh, home provider, you're buying a property to make it a short-term rental. I would add another 20 to 40 based on all the things that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. So 20 to pro- 40,000. Correct. Oh, yeah. Correct. So, but, but when you look at the acquisition costs and you make that part of your return, it, it sounds uh, a little bit more stringent than it really is because it's really just a small percentage of what your, your overall cost basis is. However, the, the, uh, the cash flow can be, I mean, quite different and quite increased compared to a normal renter. And you can already have an owner who already has acquired the property, has been long-term renting it for quite a while, that has some equity, that has some cash to do that. Now it's not acquisition plus what you're what you have to put into it to make it a short term it's you've already made that acquisition and now you're just making you know the cost to get it ready for a short-term rental okay now how about the key situation do you do it all electronically or or do you have them come and pick up a key somewhere yeah it's all keyless entry uh we do keep a key in a lockbox in case that those batteries go out and we're not aware of it um so oh, and can, by the way if you think it can happen there. it can happen <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> whatever you but think could happen keyless, that's it important. could happen that's either pessimism or it's the reality of Murphy's Law. <laughs> <Yeah>. Reality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, who's, who's not a good candidate to be an owner of an Airbnb or short-term rental? Who's not? I mean, somebody that doesn't want – I mean, if you're not going to have a property manager manage it, you're going to do it yourself. Somebody who's not going to do well is somebody that's not going to have uh, – an eye for detail, like making sure that these things are done and everything's right. Cause I mean, you're on a time crunch. It's not just like, Oh, I have a long-term tenant coming in next week. I'll get to it. No, it's, I mean, I have a guest coming in 45 minutes. Is the house clean? Am I ready to go? Um, so somebody that's not paying attention to detail is not going to do well. That doesn't want to be hands-on. If you don't want to be hands-on and you're not going to have a property manager do it, then stick with the long-term, uh, rental. If that's already what that's you have. really good advice. When I asked that question, I thought, well, that's not a very good question. But your answer became so good, it made my question <laughs> a, a good one. So thank you for bailing me out, Ryan. You got it. <laughs> what What does management fees cost on a um, short-term rental? Again, there's no set standard, just like there is no set standard on commissions on the real estate side. Um, but typically, you're going to find it anywhere. It depends on what they provide, but I would say anywhere from 15% to 30%, uh, depending on what that manager is doing for that short-term rental. Okay. So it's not paid for on a turnover basis, but just gross rents, gross rents, still on, still on the gross rents. How many get, you know, what, what the guest is paying coming in, but you can expect on a, like on a normal $1,500 a month rental, you could expect to make anywhere from gross three to $5,000 a month, which, I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a multiplier of two to four on a $1,500 rental. It does sound very inviting. I got to ask this question cause we only have about a, a little over a minute left, but it is the housing providers that are now providing short-term rentals rather than long-term rentals. Is that adding to our housing shortage? Unequivocally? No. Um, we only have about 330 to 350, it fluctuates, um, short-term rentals on the Airbnb platform um, that are even on the market. So I think we have a lot more to go in regards to providing housing short-term people coming in and out of our communities. Um, but on the sales side, 
not it's, it's not even a, it's not even touching it. And to put that in perspective, so another 300, 350 homes on the market wouldn't. Well, it would double it, what it, we have. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it, it's not a long-term solution. No, and these are housing providers who are are in the in the business of of providing something that somebody needs, and yeah, they're not they're not in the sales market right now. Okay, I like that. They're in the business of providing something that somebody else needs, and that's a great definition of a housing provider um, because maybe that tenant whether this is long-term tenant or short-term maybe they don't have the funds to purchase so they need something oh yeah a roof over their head and somebody's willing to provide it yep well i want to thank both of you guys for coming in today in 10 seconds or less give me your best real estate advice you go first jason follow whatever don scordino says there you go. Wow. I like that one. I don't know. We usually don't agree on everything, and we don't agree on that one. <laughs> a lot of options and opportunities out there. Look into them and see what's best for you. All right. I want to thank you guys for coming in today. It was very enjoyable. And uh, to all our listeners, tune in next week, too, Saturdays, 9 to 10. Thank you. <laughs>